Hey, I'm Sam. And I'm Lizzie. And we're queer people who love movies. This is Subtextual. Hi, Lizzie. Hi, Sam. I hope you're hydrated. <laughs> oh, <laughs> am I? Because <laughs> this movie is going to make you cry. I am dehydrated. Yesterday, I dehydrated myself. Oh, great. With weeping. Ah, uh, yes. Okay, good, good. Hi, listeners. Uh, thank you so much for joining us on this episode. If you'd like to hear bonus content, you can do that by subscribing to our Patreon. It really helps us out. Um, there's a lot of cool features over there, so check it out at patreon.com slash subtextualpod. But if not, that's totally fine. We're just glad you're joining us for this CryFest. Let's weep. <laughs> <laughs> so Lizzie, this is an incredible movie. I know that you feel positively about it, but <sighs> tell me a little bit more. Oh my God. Oh my God. Okay. I'll try to keep it brief. I... This is easily the best movie of this year for me. Easily the best movie I've seen in probably since like Portrait of a Lady on Fire and Call Me By Your Name came out. I love it that much. I love these directors. I subjected you to Swiss Army Man, which is the <laughs> Daniels first film or first feature. And I have just been following their career and was super nervous to go into this film because I wanted them to do well. And I know the second feature can be a little tricky for some directors, but they nailed it. I am so excited to talk about this movie. I saw it three times in theaters and then I watched it at home yesterday, you know, in the weeping fest I was mentioning. <laughs> uh, watching it from the safety of my own home somehow made it even more sad I know. and relatable. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. In theaters, I was like, I was crying a lot, but watching it at home, I cried more. Yeah. Because I was just sat there, like, amongst all my things, being like, <laughs> weeping. Uh, yeah, watching it, I have a TV in my room now, watching it that close to me and, like, the darkness and comfort of my bed was just so... I find this movie to be, like, healing and, like, emotionally withdrawing at the same time. Oh, God. Yeah, it breaks you down just to, like, build you back up again in the most, like, satisfying, cathartic experience. I, To be honest with you, listener, this film has been in the pipeline since we saw it. But um, I was admittedly very nervous to do this film because it's just so important. And I want to make sure that I, you know, I do it right. With that being said, this film is going to be in two separate parts just to make sure that we don't miss anything and that we really take the time to discuss because there's so much going on here. Yeah, I'm so, so excited. Um, oh, Lee. Lee, have you seen this movie? Yes, I was kind of late to see it in theaters. I did catch it in theaters, but it was probably a couple months after it um, came out. It's, I think it's actually still playing here in theaters, yeah, probably in a is. lot of places. Um, and then I watched it again from home uh, and just as effective as in the theaters, I was crying for like in the same moments too. I like knew it was coming, but just it works. Uh, yeah, it's a, it's a fantastic experience that we can't recommend enough. Some Some info about the production. As Lizzie mentioned, um, this is directed by Daniels. Um, I found out that they don't go by the Daniels. They prefer just Daniels. They're like pixies. I know. Exactly. <laughs> pixies. Um, so if you want to know more about them and their history, Lizzie covers that really well in the Swiss Army Man episode. So that they actually began conceptualizing this movie as early as 2010. No way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They didn't begin writing the screenplay in earnest until after Swiss Army Man was released, but they've been playing around with this idea for like over a decade. Wow. Okay. That's cool because I kind of in my head was like, this is either some weird love-hate child born out of the pandemic because I know I had like a full-blown 
break down multiple times during the pandemic around these like similar themes and so i was like this is either a product of that or something that they were just born with um like i think many in our generation are and so that's so interesting to know they've been developing it for like over a decade yeah i just feel like it couldn't be released at a better time it's it was desperately needed i mean if this doesn't win some motherfucking awards I swear to God. I swear to fucking God. I swear to God. I. But funnily enough, in mainland China, the film's title translates to "In an instant, the entire universe." Ah, <gasps> I love that. I, I really just got like chills. That. Yeah. Wow. And a bunch of different nations have like have a bunch of different titles for this. Um, in Hong Kong, uh, it's called "Mystical Woman Warrior Fucks Up the Universe." <laughs> My memoir. <laughs> In Taiwan, it's translated to Mom's Multiple Universes, or it could also be translated into So Fucking Many Universes. So Fucking Many Universes. <laughs> yeah, the, the film's like subject matter and the way that they handle like all these multiple universes makes it really fun to market because, I mean, you have to, how do you title this thing? I mean, everything, everywhere, all at once is such a ballsy title because mm -hmm. it's kind of hard to remember. Like, it took me, I mean, even when I went to go see it, I was like, uh, one for the Daniels movie, please. <laughs> you know, um, and they even, I mean, we'll talk about it, but they split it up into three parts, everything, everywhere, all at once. And mm -hmm. I just think that's such an interesting way to, like, break down the themes of it and also just, like, the overarching theme of, like, anyway, I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself. No, no. The title is great. Title is great. And um, movie posters were made for the alternate universes. So oh. <laughs> there's a French poster titled Love and Sausages. Oh, my God. A Japanese poster translated to Pinky of Fury, the title of a documentary called Rocks. <laughs> and then a Chinese romance called Fractured Personas. And finally, Rakakuni as a Disney movie. Amen. You know, fucking Wong Kar Wai directed Fractured Universe. <laughs> oh my God. Yes, lots of Wong Kar Wai isms in this film. You'll see that happen. Um, we'll touch on that more specifically when we get to that scene. But just a quick synopsis uh, to keep plot details under wraps before the trailer was released the IMDb official synopsis reads A woman tries to do her taxes. <gasps> That's, the, I just got chills again. <laughs> Are you cold? I'm freezing. No, I'm just so moved with how like creative this film is in every regard like even to the smallest detail that on letterboxd if any of y'all are letterboxd users and you go to hit like the watched on it it's a googly eyeball <laughs> for the watched i'm like it, it, this movie has just encouraged platforms and studios and audience members to just like kind of rethink the movie experience and had so much fun with it, and I just love that so much. I mean, we even had a little fun with it here on the pod. We invested in 120 googly eyes <laughs> from Hobby Lobby. <laughs> yeah, thanks for referencing our little decor here. So we've got everything bagels. We've got googly eyes on things. We also have this wonderful little button on the table. Lizzie, would you mind hitting that for me? Yes. Okay. Oh. So we have this little button here. Lizzie doesn't know why it's here, but <laughs> I want us to play a game while we're going through this film. And if at any point you as a viewer had cried during the scene, I want you to hit the button. Oh my God. <laughs> Lee, get ready to hear the sound. <laughs> a lot. <laughs> Just whenever any anything comes up, any detail that made you cry, go ahead and slam that button. That's cute. And, and let us know. Oh, that's so cute. All right. Um, so... Are we ready to begin? I'm so ready. I'm so ready. 
now your husband. I'm another version of him from another universe. I'm here because we need your help. Very busy today. Uh, no time to help you. Across the multiverse, I've seen thousands of Evelyns. You can access all their memories, their emotions, even their skills. There's a great evil spreading throughout the many verses. And you may be your only chance of stopping it. All right, so I often talk on this podcast about something being a rich text, and I'm usually being a fuck all and talking about <laughs> Twilight or something being a rich text. But this is a rich text, you guys. My notes on this are insane, and the research never stopped. So let's just jump into this plot. Let's go. Let's go. Okay, we start with everything, and we meet... Uh, Evelyn, who's played by Michelle Yeoh, and Wayman, who's played by Kihi Kwan, and they are in their laundromat that they own. So a little bit about Kihi Kwan. Um, this is his first major film in 20 years. I'm sure you guys know a little bit about this story. I just thought it was really interesting. He was known as a child actor and then took a break after his young success. And this is his first role back. And I'm just going to play a clip and we'll hear what he has to say about that. First of all, I was very lucky when I was a kid. You know, I was in a couple of really memorable movies. Yes. Really? Uh, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, you what know, like uh, a little movie called The Goonies, you know, uh, Indiana Jones. Maybe. You were in that was... <laughs> No, but, and, and, then, and then the truth is, as I got older, there was just not a lot of opportunities for an Asian actor at that time. And then I just found myself waiting and waiting for the phone call for an audition, not even a job, but just right. just an opportunity to audition. Right. And it came, you know, like once a year mm. or once every six months while my peers were like auditioning for like two times a week, three times a week, and they were doing movies after movies. Uh, and it was just really dispiriting. I mean, I was, I, it wasn't fun for a time. Uh, so I decided to step away from acting, went to film school, and, uh, and I was content for many years working behind the camera. Mm -hmm. And it was not until 2018 when Michelle's movie, The Crazy, Rich, Crazy Rich Asians came out, and that movie just hit me on so many levels. I remember watching it three times in the theater and I cried every single time. The entire cast made up of Asian actors. Mm -hmm. And I go, wow, I wish I was up there with them, seriously. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and so the idea of getting back into acting, that's where it started. I called up an agent friend of mine, um, and this was like after decades without an agent. Uh, and I asked him, would you want to rep me? And he says, yes. Two weeks later, <laughs> I got a call about this movie. So yeah, Lizzie, what'd you think of that? Okay, unironically, <laughs> that, if I was alone, I'm like about to cry, but if I was alone, I would be weeping. I just, I, it's so... This movie is so good because it gave, I remember like the moment Michelle Yeoh came on screen, the first time I watched it, I started to cry. I'm going to cry. She's so good. But there, we have just kept so many beautifully talented people away from the thing that they want to do simply because of their race, because of their background, because of their whatever. And watching this actor in particular and Michelle Yeoh as well, like who haven't had too much opportunity to like take a role like this, you know, like I'm sure they've been offered like typecasted roles a bunch and Michelle Yeoh has had a successful career, but this was obviously like felt different than I think the opportunities that I think are afforded to most Asian actors. I'm not an Asian actor. I can't say for sure, but hearing his story like this 
he's so good and he has such a range and the fact that he had to like put his dream on hold for 20 years simply because there was no space for him in all of Hollywood and all of this like multi-billion dollar industry that exists around films is just like heart-wrenching and the fact that this film gave him that huge huge jumping board off of like and just the timing of it all it's so beautiful this film has done much more than just like entertain and that's I, I had a feeling that the story behind that was similar I had heard you know oh he was a child actor and now he came back for this and in my mind I was like what makes you take a break you know for some people like the actress in Matilda she fell out of love with Hollywood because Hollywood had no place for her after she became like a gawky teenager, mm -hmm. you know, and the same for him. There was no place for an Asian actor of a certain age. And I just I think it's such a shame because he's so talented. He he the more I watch this movie, the more I appreciate his performance and how he's like kind of the secret hero yeah. the whole time. Yeah. What very, very well said, Lizzie. I couldn't agree more. The, the interview clip that I showed you was taken out of a conversation between Kiki Kwan and the, the rest of the cast. Uh, Jamie Lee Curtis shares a story about his first day on set. She was behind the monitor watching along with Daniels. And after his first take, he he came over to Jamie Lee Curtis and said, was that good? <gasps> he was, I mean, imagine coming back after 20 years and not just coming back, but starring with Michelle Yeoh and yeah. Jamie Lee Curtis, because he said that it was the scene where they're in the IRS office. So he's like, I'm amazed. I'm sat next to James Hong, yeah. Michelle Yeoh and Jamie Lee Curtis. So he was just really nervous. And, and Jamie Lee Curtis said, are you kidding me? That was amazing. Yeah. God, his performance is so layered. Like, I said this to someone yesterday, maybe it was my partner, but like his character, maybe other than Stephanie Hsu's character, has to like switch between these like major tonal shifts, like constantly scene for scene. And he can do the whole spectrum seamlessly mm -hmm. uh, and bringing like this emotionality to it that is so special. Even just in this interview clip, his emotionality is so unique and authentic and it's not something you really get to see that often you know you're used to act actors being kind of guarded you know but he he doesn't have that he still has that like childish like innocence I guess in his acting yeah and it really plays well on screen um so Lizzie in Pirates of the Caribbean <laughs> yes you had quizzed me a little bit do you remember this? I did. I made you drink a lot of rum. You made me drink a lot of rum. We had a trivia game in, in, in Pirates <laughs> of the Caribbean that Lizzie created, and I was getting FOMO because I wanted to do it. So this is the perfect time to bring out another trivia game. But this time, this time's a little different because this isn't just trivia. This isn't even movie trivia. This is Michelle Yeoh trivia, bitch. This, is it my birthday? Yes. Is, is Ashton here? Ashton, are you punking <laughs> me with the perfect punked. day? Yes. Okay, so you ready for your first question? Yes, oh my god. Okay, so how the game works is I will ask Lizzie a question. If she gets it right, I will take a sip of my adult beverage. If she gets it wrong, she takes a drink of her adult beverage. Yes. Hey, bottoms up. All right, so Lizzie, without further ado, which actor did the directors initially write this role for? Michelle Yeoh. Bef before. Okay, so was it Michelle Yeoh? They considered someone else? Uh-huh. If it helps... It was written for a man. For a for for a man? A man. A man. Oh, is it um oh, is it um No, don't overthink it too much. Don't overthink it too much. A, a film of this style. Jackie Chan. 
It was Jackie Chan. Fucking Jackie Chan? No. Yes. So the role was initially written for Jackie Chan, but then after further discussion, the directors realized by having it be a woman, the the relationships were more intense and emotionally challenging. After the gender of the main character was switched, the Daniels started modeling that character after Michelle Yeoh specifically. Like the the character's name was Michelle Wang. Hmm. And then when Michelle came on board, she had them change it because she didn't want to bring herself into the role. She said that Evelyn deserves her own story to be told. (sighs) 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 Fucking hey. I love her. So um, interestingly enough, Jackie Chan and Michelle Yeoh did star together in a film called Super Cop that was released in 1992, and she credits him for saving her life. I've seen that clip. Have you? Yeah, I'm going to show it for you right now. Oh, my God. I love it. Yes. Everything went wrong. The windscreen did not shatter. The things that were supposed to make it go, it didn't. So Jackie couldn't get a handle on me. When you look, watch the outtakes, he scrambled over the windscreen and tried to hold on to me. Luckily, he, he grabbed onto a bit of my shirt as I was sliding off the car. He saved me, I think, my life. Shh, but don't tell him that. And as I rolled off, if he didn't give me that little extra jerk, I, could, I would have landed on my head first. And that would have been the disaster of my life. So much like in this stunt gone wrong, it has started to rain. So if you hear any weird, like, shushy, rainy noises, it's because we're, like, in the middle of a thunderstorm. Okay, just deal with it. <laughs> um, but I've seen this clip a million times. Yeah. It's from, like, you said, like, uh, 94? 92. It's from 92. Super Cop. Uh, Michelle Yeoh has to, like... She hits the hood of the car, the glass is supposed to shatter, it doesn't, so she kind of like rolls off backwards, and at the last second, Jackie like grips her and kind of like helps lower her to the ground while they're going like 30 miles per hour on this highway. And then after the set, like after they call cut, he like runs over to her and makes sure she's okay. Yeah, um, he's he was fast. I always forget how fucking built Jackie Chan is. He is a true, true athlete. Yeah. But I am so glad he was not chosen for this role. I couldn't agree more. No, nothing against Jackie Chan's acting style, right. but like this really calls for a really deep emotional work. Yeah. I can't imagine this film not being Michelle Yeoh, not even just being another woman, but like anyone no. other than Michelle Yeoh. I don't think, I mean, this is just so kismet with like Kiki Kwan and Michelle Yeoh. It's, it's just so fucking perfect. Them together is amazing. And then them with the familial bond that they have with Stephanie Hsu. It's fantastic. Ugh, so friggin' good. This movie's like a fucking dessert. Yeah, she was more than ready. Michelle Yeoh was more than fucking ready, dude. And we'll get, we'll learn more about Michelle Yeoh and her career as we continue on. So don't, don't worry too much yet. We meet Evelyn and Wayman in their laundromat as they're getting things ready for their New Year's party and um, to see the IRS because they're being audited. Um, we also see that Wayman is trying to serve Evelyn divorce papers, but she doesn't know it yet. Uh, Evelyn is nervous for what her father, Gong Gong, who's played by James Hong, uh, will think of her life and more specifically her daughter, Joy's, who's played by Stephanie Hsu's relationship with her girlfriend, Becky. So much conflict right off the bat and like silly, stupid me, like the first time I saw this thought like this was going to be the conflict. Mm-hmm. Like I'd seen the trailer, but I tried not to look too much into it. And I was like, oh, my God, so stressful. Like, 
their family's fighting and like Gong Gong's being mean and like they have an audit. Oh my God. Like what could be more intense and dramatic than that? Yeah. Little do you know, this is like a, such an easy universe she's in yeah. compared to others. So, um, Evelyn isn't pleased with Joy's relationship and even goes as far as misgendering Becky. I don't think it's done with like a huge malicious intent, but I think it is just more like a carelessness that Evelyn views yeah. Becky like a, with. A micro aggression of sorts. Yeah, exactly. Wayman, on the other hand, is very supportive and really likes Becky. And it's so cute to see Wayman and Becky interact. Like they're usually interacting in the background being super cute and uh, just melts my heart. Yeah. That actress, I don't know who she is, the actress that plays Becky, but has it was like the perfect casting for this just has like those big doe eyes and you just know like okay this is a truly sweet and patient person yeah she's giving tara from buffy the vampire yeah. slayer just like i just love you and i think you're the best and i'm gonna support you even though you might may be a super villain yeah and also like doesn't project any of the insecurities they may have about like needing to be accepted by the family onto her relationship with joy yeah and you know as these, as the scene continues, we see that Joy like is pressing Evelyn um, about accepting her relationship, and Evelyn maintains that she's supportive of Joy dating a girl, a white girl at that. She's half Mexican. <laughs> that like, I love oh, that exchange. God. Oh my God! It's um, you see, this film does such a great job at portraying a mother daughter relationship because it really is like this. Like while we all like to hope for a relationship that's perfect, it's very rare that you see it on screen written so well because I've had these conversations with my mother. Yeah. And I think, uh, and I think with a lot of other films and like, I could think of some examples, but like whenever the screenwriter isn't paying as much attention to like the nuance of a relationship, they'll just like paint one of the characters like totally bad. Like, Oh, your mom was abusive or like totally neglectful. Mm -hmm. So you have these problems. And I'm like, in real life, it can be like that, but it can also be these like more subtle shades of misunderstanding between generations. Like they show here, like it's the perfect little way to show just where they're coming from. That joy is like, yeah, sure. You may see her as a white girl and like, you're okay with the optics of that and how like progressive that is for you. But on my end, like I know her background and the nuance to that and what that means for me and our generation being so mindful of that. So it was just like the, this is the least lazy writing I've ever seen yes. for two female characters interacting together. Yeah. You're so right. You mentioned that like sometimes when directors who maybe just want to further a point who don't really care about dialogue or dynamics will just be like, and Joy is rebellious and her mom yeah. is conservative and they'll just slap them with these like weak ass motivations that are supposed to further the plot. But this felt really real. This feels like a real dynamic. Um, down at the laundromat, we meet Jenny Slate. Uh, <laughs> Who wants to be the fruit? I, she doesn't play hardly a role in this movie at all. I'm just mentioning her because I love Jenny Slate. <laughs> I actually, like, one of the notes I wrote down while I was watching it this last time was, like, who is she supposed to represent? Because I feel it, but, like, it, it like, could have been this, like, massive commentary, but they decided to just put in, like, this very silly, funny, like, girl who's still stuck in the 2000s, and I love that character. Just, yeah. like, down to the little bracelet she wears and, like, her little shirts. It's, it's so funny. Yeah, because they could have... Paint, I mean, we see a, a few of their patrons throughout this film, and they could have painted the patrons as, like, white, shallow individuals who don't value the laundromat or value Evelyn and Waymond, and which would have really, like, isolated them in their community. But they show these people as, like, you know, 
people that need a service to get done, maybe they're in a hurry, but they all do come back for the New Year's party. These are people that do care about them in their institution. And a lot of them have like little micro arcs of their own. Like Mm -hmm. the guy who's like got his 20s stuck in the machine says like, oh, Evelyn, like my my late wife used to wear that perfume mm-hmm. and then you see him at the end getting sprayed and like having his like little closure moment and i'm like we don't we barely get fucking closure for main characters in most movies nowadays and here they are giving us closure to like the unnamed background that shows up <laughs> once you know what i mean like that just the detail of it all is so rich yeah they close everything they before this film ends they close it really nicely we'll get more into that at, at the end of the film but Right now, uh, Joy is talking to Gong Gong and is going to introduce Becky. And at the last moment, Evelyn stops Joy from telling Gong Gong that Becky is Joy's girlfriend and just says that Becky is a friend. Ah, that's a really heartbreaking moment because even if Joy, like Joy obviously wanted to make that decision to like come out to her grandfather, but like because of the language gap, she like has to rely on her mother to do that. Mm -hmm. And her mother like makes that choice for her. Oh, so complicated so 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 sad it's something that I relate to because when I came out my parents told me that I wasn't allowed to tell my grandmother um which was a hard place to be because I was already so shameful about my sexuality that like feeling like I couldn't tell my grandmother or being told like it was a huge fear that I couldn't tell my grandmother because she would hate me so when my parents kind of doubled down on that it left me really sad because my grandmother passed and she never knew and it's just like yeah, I think, like, overall, we have the tendency to, like, treat this older generation like maybe our parents' parents with, like, this kind of walking on eggshells fragility thing. But I'm like, if you think about any of them and what they had to live through and maybe what they're still currently living through, like, they're very tough people. Like, my, all my grandparents that uh, I've known are very tough and very they've been through crazy shit like wars and everything and we treat them like oh they can't know this like information it'll kill them or they'll hate you or they won't be able to like come to terms with it and i'm like they've literally seen the rise and fall of the internet you know what i mean like they've already seen a lot they can see a little bit more yeah my grandmother came to america with her 11 children and was functionally illiterate didn't have any education raising all those 11 children without the help of her husband. And I'm supposed to believe that she's some fragile being that can't understand complex complex situations. I think it was more of my parents' shame rather than, I'm sure if I told my grandmother, she, she wouldn't really give a fuck, you know? It was right, more of what yeah. they had going on, which is the case in this film as well. Yeah. Um, so like I'm saying, like all of these dynamics have so many different layers and it really hits home. Also, an interesting note, um, we mentioned this in the Happy Together episode, how people switch languages, but Evelyn speaks to her father in Cantonese, but speaks to Wayman in Mandarin, which kind of implies that although they are from the same part of China, that they had totally different upbringing where they learned totally Mm. different languages. Which I think is yeah. is just like another thing. God, it's so annoying. This fucking movie's perfect. <laughs> and she's Evelyn speaks to Joy in Mandarin as well and English, and then Joy answers back in English and then bad Chinese. Interesting. Yeah. I'm so glad I hadn't even thought to like double check that. Like you just read the subtitles and move on, but that's such a, a like another commentary layer to it, like yeah. you're saying. So after this uh, discussion with Gong Gong, Joy leaves in a huff right before she gets in the car. Evelyn follows her, and it seems like just for one moment, Evelyn's going to apologize. And you see Joy thinking it too, like maybe she'll say sorry. And um, Evelyn tells Joy to start eating healthier because she's getting fat. <sighs> Fuck. 
That was for me. Ollie, this made you cry. Oh, oh God. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, I mean, it's... How beautiful is it that Lee, who, like, doesn't have a mother-daughter relationship, like, fucking felt that hard in this moment? Like, I know that, like, I don't want to keep bringing up, like, my family shit, but, like, my mom used to say shit like that to me. And I'm, and we're supposed to believe it's because they care, but it, it's hard to feel like they care when they're, like, breaking you down like that. Yeah. Yeah, for me, watching it the second time, I—so the first time I felt really bad for Joy— and was so aggravated with Evelyn, like, why are you, come on, don't do this. You're doing it all wrong. And then the second time, like, I think I felt that way about Evelyn for a lot of choices in the beginning. The second time watching it, I can see now, like, I felt even worse for Evelyn on the second time watching that scene and just feeling like she doesn't know how to do the right thing. She, like, wants to do something right and is blocked somehow. Yeah. And so tough you're so right it's like she can't like she knows she wants to but she physically cannot because no one's ever shown her how to yeah well one thing that really stood out for me in this last watch of four that I, I had noted but it hadn't hit me so hard was that she herself is dealing with rejection like heavy rejection from her own father so like how if she hasn't had resolution on that and she's still struggling with making her dad proud of her and just recognize her for who she is, of course she's going to have trouble, like, bleeding that forward into her relationship with her daughter, you know? And I can see, especially with Gong Gong there, how it probably just, like, heightens all of these already issues that they've been having. Um, it's such a hard moment. Because it is hard to say the right thing, you know? Like, in that moment, it's hard to, like be the one to like let your pride down and say like the emotional soft thing that needs to be said sometimes and like oh oh yeah it's uh it's so beautiful to see even though it's it's sad in this moment I think it comes around full circle and so joy leaves crying uh such a beautiful shot because we've yeah. all been there um we see Evelyn Wayman and Gong Gong go to the IRS to speak to a representative about their ongoing audit in the elevator Evelyn starts experiencing head pain and then we see Wayman turn into Alpha Wayman. Hot Wayman. No. <laughs> Hot Wayman was really giving Jackie Chan for me. Yeah, no, totally. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I can definitely see the fighting styles of them, like, loving Jackie Chan movies in particular, because he always had a way of, like, using really fun elements in his fighting, like the... What, the fanny pack, for example, like yeah. that felt like a Jackie Chan move who would just like pull something off the desk and be like, I'm fighting with it now. So anyway, yeah, side, side note. we'll get into the martial arts style when we get into some of these fights. But I mean, Alpha Wayman is hot and yeah. Evelyn doesn't know what the fuck is going on because she obviously thinks it's just Wayman. And he gives her very precise instructions on verse jumping and puts this earpiece in her ear. And when he does activate it, we see Evelyn's life flash by, including all of her major life decisions. So leaving China to move to the USA with Waymond, buying the laundromat, getting pregnant with Joy, losing touch with her father, Joy growing up, all up to this exact moment. Ugh. Ugh. These guys, dude. It's like the first 15 minutes. Here's like more backstory than like a, the Marvel universe. It's so fucking beautiful. Okay, so Lizzie, are you ready for your second question? Yes, yes, yes. You teed me up perfectly talking about the martial arts style. So besides martial arts, what other art did Yo study? Music? Take a sip of your adult uh, beverage no. vibes. Okay, give me a hint. Is it like a like a art, like a museum art? It's a physical art. 
A physical art mm-hmm. dance. Mm-hmm. <gasps> really? Yeah. Like ballet? Or... Yes, exactly. No, she's so cool. Michelle began studying ballet at the age of four. Holy shit. She went to study at UK's Royal Academy of Dance in London. Bitch. A spinal injury prevented her from becoming a professional ballet dancer, and after that, she began to study drama. God said, you better listen. Listen, bitch, you're destined to be an actress. Yeah, I don't know if y'all can hear that, but the thunder is a rolling for Miss Yo. So y'all talking about Michelle Yo in there? I made that. Just kidding. I am that. <laughs> the thunder? Michelle Yo is God. That's what I was getting at. Ah, uh, yes. Okay. So don't worry. You will have chances to redeem yourself. I'm learning so much. <laughs> Outside of the elevator, we meet Deirdre. Was played by Jamie Lee Curtis. Fucking phenomenal. Phenomenal. Phenomenal actress. So Jamie Lee Curtis, uh, or Deirdre, is their IRS representative, and she informs them that all of Evelyn's hobbies, which are singer, novelist, chef, teacher, Watsu technician, are not business expenses and cannot be written off. Uh, Okay, this is like such a subtle commentary, but it is a commentary nonetheless on how America is not set up for non-natural born people to be like welcomed like Mm -hmm. the irs and the whole process of taxes is the most unwelcoming unfriendly and like intentionally confusing process ever Mm -hmm. and it it just adds such unnecessary stress to this family's lives and then like every single human being in america can relate to like the stress of taxes (laughs) you know what i mean and like oh my god if you were to be audited of course you would be like yelled at by someone and you did it wrong it's so fucking confusing so it's it's like it's like the it's like a rolling out a welcome mat for people and being like, hello, this is the land of immigrants. But then like putting nails like in the welcome mat and like step on them when you come in the door. You yeah, know what I mean, you're so right. It's like a unifying, terrible experience for everyone who lives in America and even more burdensome for people who don't happen to speak English. Oh, my God. I thought you were going to bring your daughter to translate. That made me so mad. Yeah. I was like, why is that the solution here? Yeah. Just help them. It's your fucking job. Yeah. Okay. Deirdre, amazing, though. Like, Jamie Lee Curtis, it's hard to hate her, but she did it. She did it right away. I was like, oh, this bitch. Yeah, and fun she, to hate. She also has a really complex arc, and she performs all of these beats so well that you really follow her through. You don't, you know, she doesn't give away what's going to happen with her performance. She doesn't even leave it under the surface. You have to, like, dig for that shit. Yes. Ah, uh, multifaceted. So now we are getting into the universe jumping, you guys. So fucking put your seatbelts on. You're coming on a little ride with us. I'm going to do my very, very best to explain the universes and as they're jumping, how they're jumping and whatnot. So if it's a little bit confusing... Go see the movie. Go see yeah. the movie. <laughs> so Evelyn begins to follow the instructions and successfully verse jumps into the nearby janitor's closet. Ooh, okay, so what I'm going to do when I'm jumping in between universes, I'm just going to give that universe a name, and then every character in that universe will have that universe name. You'll see what I mean. I love it. So Alpha Wayman is in the janitor's closet with Evelyn, and he says that he's from another universe and he needs her help, that there's a great evil in his verse, the Alphaverse, and that Alpha Wayman believes only Evelyn can stop it. And then we're back to our present universe. Deirdre pulls Evelyn back to the present to inform her of the gravity of her tax situation and shows, (laughs) shows them her butt plugs. Okay. 
Yes. So in this scene specifically, you see Michelle, or excuse me, you see Evelyn having a really hard time staying in one place. And they actually wrote this character initially with undiagnosed ADHD to kind of explain their like scatterbrained jumping around. but while researching this idea, Daniel Kwan, one of the Daniels, discovered that he had undiagnosed ADHD. God bless. Hey, look, if the Daniels can do it, so can you. <laughs> so can I. Um, um, this, like, scene, though, hit me so hard because I, I don't have ADHD or anything, but I'm definitely someone who, uh, even in the course of, like, a single afternoon, can, like, flip from, like, absolute nihilism to, like, absolute joy at being alive and just like the pull of importance in this scene of like because both Alpha Wayman and Deirdre say to her like what could be more important than this conversation we're having right now about the fate (laughs) of the universe and your taxes and it's like at times both can seem true like I can be so upset by like oh my god I forgot to email that person back devastation and then sometimes I'm like oh my god the universe is huge same devastation you know and I was just like preach fucking preach (laughs) So back in the janitor's closet, Alpha Wayman and Evelyn are killed by Deirdre, who has a black circle on her forehead. Don't worry, Alpha Wayman and Evelyn are fine, just their versions of themselves. So janitor closet Wayman and janitor closet Evelyn died uh, at the hands of Deirdre. Back in our universe, Deirdre gives them one last chance to bring their updated documents back to her by 6 p.m., which conflicts with their New Year's party. Wayman believes Evelyn knows about the divorce because of the paper that she was holding Mm -hmm. with the instructions on it is the divorce papers. And when he confronts Evelyn about the divorce, Evelyn assumes Wayman knows about the multiverse (laughs) and confusion ensues. So they're like walking up to this elevator and as, as they're talking and trying to figure out what's happening, Deirdre approaches them and Evelyn thinks that she's evil Deirdre again and punches her in the face. We all wanted it, though. We're like, oh, no. To her defense, it kind of seemed like it was <laughs> evil Deirdre. She was stomping with that growl on her face. Yeah, Deirdre was just returning Evelyn's cart that she left behind. Um, and so everyone's like, what the fuck, Evelyn? Why did you just punch her? Security! <laughs> yeah, they call up security. Wayman finally tells Evelyn about the divorce. And God, if this couldn't make her day fucking worse. As security comes up the elevator, Alpha Wayman jumps back into Wayman and performs a series of moves or a jumping pad to activate some badass fighting ability. Okay, so Alpha Wayman proceeds to beat these security guards' asses with his fanny pack. And as Lizzie was mentioning, like this fighting style is so interesting because it's like a use of an actual object. Yeah. Um, So when doing the martial arts for this film or or trying to determine what they wanted the fighting style to be like, they were heavily influenced by kung fu movies Mm. and this style of like wired fighting where like it enhances the movement because you see really dynamic flying yeah. sort of actions. Yeah. And when they were focusing on like martial arts specifically and how it's used in Kung Fu movies, it's almost the exact opposite of how like American action movies are shot where it's like one punch of a person can involve 10 or seven shots of the arm hitting the face and the recoil and whatever and it's cut up to like hell and back. But specifically, this style of martial arts is done in wide. So you see the action, you see immediately the reaction with, like, no cuts, which is really satisfying for a viewer to watch, especially when Wayman is doing such fucking cool shit. And also, we see Wayman do some, like, floor work with his martial arts. So the choreographers are two brothers, Mm -hmm. the Lee brothers, and they're both in this movie. One of them is, like, the main security guard. 
the big one with the bald head? The big one with the bald head. Oh, and I'll point the oh, other one cool. out in a, when we get to oh, see nice. him. But the um, one of the brothers wanted to use a style of like b-boy breakdancing to help cool. the like movement of the action flow really naturally. So it's like a combination of all of these really cool things. It's beautiful. It's a stunning scene. It's so much fun to watch. And a little piece of trivia I have from listening to some interviews with Daniels, but they shot that scene in a single day, which is like crazy. Oh, it's so many shots and so much stunt work. Uh, seriously, hats off. Like any one scene of this movie would be like a whole lifetime for me to achieve, truly. <laughs> All right, back in the janitor closet universe, we see our first glimpse at Jobu Tapaki who is the Alphaverse version of Joy and a threat to all universes. Do you know anything about the name Jobu Tapaki and like what what's up with it? I was reading that uh, one of the Daniels said in an interview that it is just intentionally funny random sounds, but there are some translations too. I just can't remember. Yeah, I think it was like a sound that started as a joke and then now it translates into something random in like Taiwanese. Yeah, oh, like it might okay. kind of make sense, but... It's also not as all-encompassing as just, like, random sounds that sound funny. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. There's not, like, an intentional reason. They're like, oh, if you rearrange the letters, it says, like, I am Lord Voldemort. Yeah, whatever. exactly. Yeah, it's nothing like Lord okay. Voldemort. Just curious. Uh, so back in our universe, Alpha Women explains to Evelyn that the Alphaverse was the first dimension to make contact with the other universes, that Alpha Evelyn invented verse jumping and was able to access at attributes from other Evelyns in other universes before she was eventually killed by Jobu Tabaki. Pour one out for Alpha vs. Evelyn. She sounds like a real cool chick. Yeah, she sounds like she lived a great life. So we learn that Jobu Tabaki is creating something greater than a black hole to swallow all universes. So as they're fighting Deirdre, <laughs> Evelyn's jump pad is to tell Deirdre that she loves her, to profess her love earnestly. Um, after doing so, Evelyn successfully verse jumps into a martial artist or celebrity version of herself. That is my favorite universe. I know it's like the most straight lace, but it's just so pretty. She's wearing that beautiful gown. Oh, uh, yeah, this is my it. this is one of my favorite universes as well. And it kind of satisfies that thought we all have in the back of our heads. Like, what if we did something a little bit different and yeah. we're living these fabulous, extravagant lifestyles? Yeah. And for her, like. What if she had said no to Wayman because she's kind of having those thoughts now with like the divorce conversations? Yeah. She's like, oh, it would have been so beautiful. And I'm like, oh, that's so fucking sad. So this is the universe where she doesn't leave China with Wayman and instead studied martial arts and became a movie star. Sounds good to me. But, you know, we see it's not all as it appears. Speaking of movie stars, are you ready for your next question? Give it to me, baby. Okay. One of Michelle Yeoh's first major Hollywood acting roles was Wei Lin in James Bond. Which actor played that James Bond? Uh, sh- uh sh- the one I hate. Bro- bra- Brosnan. That's exactly Brosnan. right. Brosnan! Fuck that one. Hey, you better drink your adult beverage. Oh, here I go. Here I go. Here we go. Go, 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 go. <laughs> well, you know, we have this plate of bagels here. If we get... If we ran out of alcohol, it could be like, take a big-ass bite of an everything bagel. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I'm, I'm so down for that. So um, Michelle Yeoh played the character of Waylon in James Bond, Tomorrow Never Dies. Pierce Brosnan described her as a wonderful actress, seriously committed to her craft, calling her a female James Bond in regards to her combat ability. 
This motherfucker gets the chance to work alongside Meryl Streep and Michelle Yeoh. I hate him. Wait, I want to be him. Wait, why don't you like Pierce Brosnan? <laughs> Mama Mia. Because he's, he's so lame. Like, I imagine his character in Mrs. Doubtfire, this, like, just annoying, <laughs> like, oh, guy next door there. is, like, his actual personality. You should check out The Matador because it's kind Matador. of like an off-type performance for him. Is it, like, silly? or It's silly. Um, yeah. He's kind of like a washed-out, I think a, a washed-out assassin. Uh, it's been a while. I've only seen it once, and I remember just being like, this is now my favorite movie. But I've only seen it <laughs> once, so I need to watch wow, it again. Wow, damn. All right, fine. I'll give it a shot. But no, I, yeah, I get that. Pierce Brosnan, Mrs. Doubtfire. Yeah, <laughs> it's valid. Yeah. <laughs> so back in our universe, Evelyn uses martial arts to defeat Deirdre. And while that's all well and good, Evelyn has lingering feelings that this other life, this celebrity martial artist life, uh, is better than the life that she chose here with Waymond. Well, it's directed by Wong Kar Wai, so it certainly looks pretty damn nice. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we'll get more into that, too. But really? um, yeah, oh, love. Alpha Waymond and Evelyn run away, and Alpha Waymond tells Evelyn that Alpha Evelyn pushed Alpha Joy too far while verse jumping and fractured her consciousness, turning her into Jobu Tapaki, an omnipotent and all-powerful being. That's really, like, tragic, too, because you can't even... Like, it's not like Jobu Tupaki is just naturally evil. We learn it's, like, a lot more complicated than that, and they actually don't have many, like, nefarious motivations at all, but that they were pushed by their own mother to, like, over-excel and achieve. And, like, I'm, I'm not a child of immigrant families, but I have friends who are, and their families are, like, constantly on them to, like, mm-hmm. be perfect, get perfect grades, do perfect things, like, date the right person, like, make a lot of money. And it's just, like, a lot of pressure. And, and I wonder if that's kind of, like, the parallel of the Alphaverse there, like, just pushing your child to be perfect, 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 do more, more, more. Yeah, and I, like we were mentioning earlier, like, as Lee said, it's almost as if Evelyn can't do the thing she wants to do and she can't apologize even though she knows it's the right thing to do. And it's it's only cemented here when we see that every universe where Joy is born and Joy is Evelyn's daughter, they're not happy. Yeah. There's not a single right. version where they're okay. So oh, she really just true. can't do it right. Oh, I never like pulled that out, but you're so right. Like, or else this wouldn't really be a movie. <laughs> Alpha Wayman leaves Evelyn, saying she may not be the right Evelyn after all. And now regular Wayman is back. Oh, poor thing. (laughs) Someone help him. So Evelyn can't fight her temptation to experience this better celebrity universe and goes back to it. And we see celebrity Evelyn at a movie premiere where she sees celebrity Wayman for the first time in a long time. And he looks good. Handsome. So handsome. He tells her that he's very successful in the U.S. and is very rich. So it worked out better for him, too, for now. For now. Uh, Back in our universe, Alpha Wayman comes back, and him and Evelyn are detained by security. Uh, This is where they're in that long hallway, and we finally see Jobu Tupaki interact with Evelyn. Jobu comes in looking fucking phenomenal and kicks some serious ass. Okay, who... Who do we hold responsible for the costuming in this movie? Because they had so much fun with this character. Mm -hmm, Ah, I mm -hmm. would wear everything. And it's funny because, like, when I was doing my notes, I started just, like, referring to characters in their universes as, like, celebrity Wayman, you know, Janet Closet, Evelyn or something. But when Stephanie Hsu was interviewed about the looks in this movie, she was saying, yeah, that's Elvis 
Jobu Tupaki, and that's what <laughs> that's K-pop Jobu Tupaki. Yes. Like she she does it in the same way. So I was like, oh, very satisfied. Oh, that, that's cute. That they were thinking that way as well. Yeah. Evelyn tells Jobu Tupaki that she finally understands why Joy doesn't call, why Joy dropped out of college, and why Joy likes girls. And we get my first like actual chortle. <laughs> that I did like a verbal laugh out loud because Joe Butapaki says, I'm sorry, you're still hung up on the fact that I like girls in this world. <laughs> the universe is so much bigger than you realize, which is just so funny. It really puts like that weird homophobia on like such a funny little scale. Yeah. It's like in other worlds, you're okay with it is what it insinuates. So it's like something in your life like led you to hold on to this so hard because in other pathways, you've been able to get over it. It's mm -hmm. kind of like the takeaway I got like from that. Like in other sillier, like the hot dog pathway or like other sillier True. worlds, it's like you're fine with me dating a girl, but in this one? Yeah, really? Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. So before they begin fighting, Evelyn attempts to verse jump again, but ends up jumping into a universe where everyone has hot dogs instead of fingers, and she's in a relationship with Deirdre. <laughs> she's upset in this universe. Yeah, yeah. Hot dog fingers, man. Oh, and like the ketchup mustard. Ugh. It is very pretty, though. It's like pink, and there's like kittens everywhere. It does seem lovely. It seems really lesbian. Yes. <laughs> Lesbians. <laughs> Uh, so in our back in our universe, Jobu helps Evelyn open up her mind and shows her the all-consuming black hole, which resembles an everything bagel, which Jobu created one day when she was bored. The bagel is the truth, Jobu says. Jobu believes the truth is that nothing matters, because she's a nihilist. Uh, as this conversation is happening, Alpha Gong Gong comes through and knocks Jobu into a wall, neutralizing her. Fucking let's go James Hong, dude. That James guy's Hong. fucking awesome. He's fucking so good. So they all enter an office and Evelyn tells Alpha Wayman that she can't possibly be the Evelyn that they're looking for because she's not good at anything. And Alpha Wayman tells Evelyn that's exactly why she's unlike any other Evelyn because she never followed any of her dreams or goals. She is the worst version of Evelyn. But this gives her the ability to go down specific pathways easier than other Evelyns. Yeah, she's like a blank slate. I mean, I wonder if all of us have had that thought because, you know, I've definitely wondered and I would totally believe in a heartbeat that there are other timelines out there where there's like something like me living a something like this life. And like, is this like one of the better ones? Like, where does my current life fall on the scale? Yeah, if I, feel I had like, to rank them. Yeah, I feel like I'm like, ooh, top 10th percentile probably. <laughs> like, I have a pretty fucking good life. But, like, could I be, like, a celebrity? I don't even know what I would want my dream timeline to be. What would what would you want yours to be? Probably close to this. I'm happy where I'm at. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe, like, a podcast studio with, like, air conditioner. In the Alphaverse, Jobu has found Alpha Wayman's body. Um, so Wayman has to go and, and deal with that, and Evelyn is on her own again. So Evelyn is alone with regular Wayman and Joy and regular Gong Gong. Evelyn attempts to explain the multiverse to them by liking it to Ratatouille, but calls it Rakakuni. That, who, who thought of that? Who's responsible for that? That's this, so fucking funny. I've said, I've said I liked, oh, I like this universe. Oh, I like that universe. I love the Rakakuni universe. That's my favorite fucking universe. Yeah, well, you like that guy from Glee. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, uh, it's Mike Chang from Glee, and <sighs> which, you know, why not? Why not? Rakakuni. Ratatouille's getting a rehaul. <laughs> Alpha Gong Gong instructs Evelyn to kill Joy to stop her from being possessed by Jobu Tupaki, but Evelyn refuses. Alpha Gong Gong then attempts to kill Evelyn and Joy by summoning agents of the Alphaverse to defeat them. 
Evelyn then attempts to fracture herself to become as powerful as Jobu Jopaki. We also, so this is when we start really seeing all these other yeah. fractured universes, so it's a lot of fun, but we get to see blind Evelyn, who's a talented singer. We also get sign-spinning Evelyn, <laughs> who is who has increased like tactical capacity. We also get Hibachi or Rakakuni Evelyn uh, with enhanced reflexes and hand-eye coordination. As they continue through the IRS building, Evelyn is confronted with the Alphaverse agent Jenny Slate. <laughs> I just love this scene because that poor dog is definitely fucked up. They could have, like, just totally cut that out, but they didn't. I just love that they're like, here's an extra scene of Jenny Slate, like, using a dog to beat the shit out of Michelle Yeoh. Or try, but... Yeah, and then now in the in the next fighting sequence where those two men are fighting over that butt plug, mm -hmm. um, those two are the choreographers and the, their brothers. They're brothers? Uh -huh. Like, by blood? Yes. <laughs> well, they look so different. I never would have, I never would have guessed those two. Yeah, they look really, really different. And they had a lot of fun with this scene. It's one of the, like, one of my favorite fighting scenes because yeah. it's just, it is more like dancing than anything else. Yeah. It's just so beautiful to watch. Um, I have a question real quick. Sure. I the I was very curious on Letterboxd. I was like, all of my friends and anyone I follow gave this movie, like, four or five stars. But I was like... Is there anyone that just like hates this shit? And I just went to like all the bad reviews, and um, one of them in particular said that they didn't like this movie because of like the butt plug joke, <laughs> like that the but the hot dogs trophy... for finger was the hot dog fingers were fine. Right, I was like, God, this person would really hate Swiss Army Man, but like I didn't even think twice to like take it so seriously. But I wonder, like, is it like so dumb of a joke that does it like cheapen the plot in any way? Like for you, I liked it, but like. I think you have to surrender yourself to this film in a lot of ways. I don't think they could have said anything that I would have been like, butt plug, ew. You know, yeah. because if I'm already here and enjoying myself, I'm like, sure, fucking butt plug. Yeah, why not? <laughs> she just like swallowed a toy frog and he ate chapstick. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like you let that upset you so much that you didn't see any of the rest of the shit. You know what I mean? Yeah. I just wonder like, can it really make you that mad? Like, are you so like, are butt plugs that important to you? And they could, they might as well, they may as well be, but... They're plugs just, for your ass, people. I don't really care if it's that deep of a thing for you. <laughs> they are butt plugs. They plug a butt. That's all they can do. Uh, so the fighting leads all the way down into the IRS lobby. Uh, here we see Alpha Gong Gong attempt to kill Evelyn, um, but Evelyn jumps to a universe with increased pinky strength, and she rebuffs Alpha Gong Gong and defeats multiple agents solely with her smallest finger. Let's go. This is where we see a lot of that like wired martial arts style yeah. because they have to enforce the idea that her like little finger can like explode someone across the room. Yeah. So it's really fun to watch. Um, also, when she does hit someone with her finger, they use the sound effect that they that Jigglypuff uses in Smash Bros. No. Whenever, whenever Jigglypuff no. critically hits someone, it's that sound effect. It's like the I, shiny oh. move. Yeah. Oh my god! I knew I recognized that sound. I always play as Jigglypuff. You sorry, do? exclusively. Hey, that's fine. I'm more of a Nescau myself, but whatever. I just like to be a little guy. I'm a little guy. <laughs> Ugh, my fucking partner plays as the Wii Fit person and beats my ass every time. It's I hate so that. annoying. Yeah, my girlfriend's little brother. He's like, he's much younger than us. He's like a little kid. And he beats me as the yoga fucking chick. And he just yogas yeah, me to death. The Wii Fit woman. Yeah, it's so fucking annoying. Like, get the fuck out of here. She's just like, too powerful. I'm a Pokemon. I should be able to defeat this shit. <laughs> anyway. uh, so Evelyn collapses into the arms of Alpha Wayman. Uh, Alpha Wayman dies because he's killed by Jobu Topaki in the Alphaverse. He cried. Yeah. 
There's a couple other cries in there, I'm sure, but I definitely cried at that. I know. Alpha Wayman was so hot. I know. And, like, she felt the spark of Wayman there. And it's, you know, just, like, to have multiple opportunities to lose your husband in one day. Like, uh, fucking A. And divorce. So, like, you've already considered losing him in, like, a way that's not death. Ugh. Exactly. Layers, people. Layers. So, Wayman, our regular Wayman, is back for good. Jobu Tabaki is back, and Evelyn attempts to reach her full fractured potential. Her brain reaches capacity, and she becomes incapacitated. Okay, Lizzie, you ready for another question? Yes. Michelle Yeoh became an honorary knight of which nation in 2007? England. Take a sip. Wait, other countries knight people? Yeah. Was it a cool country, or like... Yeah. Japan? No. Australia? You're going to drink a lot. It's France. France? <laughs> oh my god. Does she speak French? No. <sighs> I was about to say, I was about to... Really? Wait, why? Uh, I, no one really knows. <laughs> French President Jacques Chirac conferred upon Yo the title Knight of the Legion of Honor. She was later promoted to officer of the same French order by French President Nicolas Sarkozy in 2012. Just hella cuz. She did so well, she was promoted. Let's promote. Can we promote what Michelle Yeoh? What, what, what position does she hold in our government? Can president. we just stick her right up? Yeah. No. What's better than president? Super president. Super pres. Super president. Yo. Okay. So after Evelyn becomes incapacitated, we get end credits. And movie's, movie's over. over. Movie's fucking over. All right, guys. Movie's over. Um, Everyone go home. Bye-bye now. This was very nice. <laughs> uh, just kidding. Uh, it's a bit of a mind fuck, but we are going to do a part two of this. So we'll catch you up on everything that we covered in this part next week. So I hope that you join us then because it's only getting better from here. And we're only going to be hitting the cry button more and more. <laughs> if you think you've heard the last of the cry button, you're about to hear a whole shit ton more. It's just going to be like us talking over like, like ding, 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 ding. Thanks for listening to this episode. We hope you enjoyed it. If you'd like to keep this content ad-free, please consider supporting us at patreon.com slash subtextualpod. See you next week.